to get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is Crime Writers On, the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts, and this week, an investigative podcast with an international setting. We'll review Stitcher's first foray into audio true crime journalism, Verified. Then, Down the Hill, The Delphi Murders. It's a podcast that tries to dig deep into the vexing case of two murdered teenagers, but doesn't do anything. To advance the story, we'll find out. Joining me to get that done and more is my real-life husband and true crime co-author, former TV journalist Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. What's up, baby? Is it nice being in the bunker with me, Kevin? We are just too close to each other. That's right. Physically. Well, that's because my headphones broke and I had to wear these short-corded headphones. This is the closet. Also with us is journalist, true crime author, former defense investigator, licensed private investigator, certified cat lady, and sick kid supermom, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hello, Rebecca. And finally, our captain of woke cynicism, the author behind the noir novels known as the City Trilogy, and our very favorite Patreon book club host, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. Well, tonight on the Patreon After Show, just a little bit of plug, Kevin, Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about our thoughts about how The Outsider on HBO ended and how McMillions on HBO ended and other sundry things that we need to talk about, like Toby's canceled trip to the heart of coronavirus darkness. (laughs) So if you want to hear those things and more, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media to subscribe to our Patreon, there we have the Crime Writers on After Show, Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker podcast, and Kevin, you and I are going to be recording a brand new Married With podcast that we're going to put there this weekend, right? Yeah, there might be something exciting happening to talk about. There might be. We should also talk about it. Yeah, we should tease it. Let's just tease it. Let's talk about it next in the next part of our chat, shall we? Whatever you want. You're in charge. So, Kevin, yeah. uh, before we get to Laura's tragic story of the week. Yeah. Should we share with our listeners your big news that also should urge them to keep listening to this podcast and telling their friends to listen? Because I'm both excited and terrified. Do you want to just make the announcement right now? I will. And I don't know if the guys know this, but... I don't think anyone knows this on this podcast except for me. Monday morning, as this podcast drops, I am waking up and going to work full-time for ourselves. Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media. Nice. On Friday... Which is tomorrow morning is my last day with a suit and tie going to work. That's right. Uh, dealing with the boss. <laughs> <laughs> and that whole and now thing. it's dress pants, yoga pants. Dress pants, yoga <laughs> oh. pants. If at all. Every day. Oh if my God, all. Kevin. He's going to be Winnie the Poohing it constantly. Hanging brain is put Toby Ball <laughs> Oh says. God. Yeah, so Kevin Flynn is going full time for our tiny closet-based podcast empire It is both exciting and terrifying. So I am here, A, Kevin, to tell you, I'm excited and proud, Mm -hmm. also terrified. Mm -hmm. So my plea to listeners is I know things are, it's uncertain times. We are like in uncertain times. Things are bad. Please don't stop listening to this podcast. (laughs) Please don't cancel your Patreon. Please, 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 please. Because my husband just quit his job. Two weeks ago when he decided to do this, Everything was fine. The world was excellent. <laughs> yeah. But now you're in a perfect position because you don't have to leave your house, except when you do yoga with me. Or yes. Something. Yeah. We still have yeah. to pay our mortgage, and, though, Laura. just when I think I'll be home and everybody else will be out of the house, everybody's going to be coming right back in with me. So. But it's an excellent time to get in a puppy, is it not? I, yeah, I like my office yeah. mates a lot. Right? That's perfect. <laughs> All right. So, Laura, before we start the show... Uh, we are taping a day later than we typically do because you have also another reason for our listeners to not quit our Patreon right now. <laughs> yeah. You are also dealing with a really serious family emergency. We've all been thinking of you. What is going on? Can you fill us in? Um, I'll give you the quick, quick update. So my son, Will, is into things like scootering, skateboarding, skiing, mountain biking. So he was at the indoor skate park um, yesterday doing some scootering tricks. And he landed wrong and landed on the handlebar, like the round part. 
mm-hmm. on his way down. And um, the long story short is he is now in the Children's Hospital in Boston because he has a partially collapsed lung and some broken ribs. And it was pretty frightening. Wow. And I got to ride in the back of an ambulance. Um, yeah. Which was pretty exciting. So, Stop. And it was Laura, this is a sob story designed to make our listeners be more loyal to us and maintain their financial support. Okay. Only I'll tell, tell the, the sad, sad story. Okay. The sad part was when we were in the first emergency room, Fireman Ken tries, because he's like a paramedic and he knows all this. This stuff doesn't phase him. And I was like, wow, that looks kind of bad. And... Um, and then they come out and they're like, well, he's got some fluid in his lungs. And and so we're going to have to do a chest tube. And well, there's this and that. And I'm like, ooh. And I start kind of like weaving around. And they're like, you know, put your head between your knees. And I'm like, oh, shit. You almost passed uh, out? Yeah. I got I, I kind of panicked a little bit when I heard chest tube because, I mean, you know. <laughs> she watches yeah. Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. She's no fool. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. And um, yeah, so that was that was fun. Um and uh, and then the other time that I almost lost it is when we got to we Boston um, after riding in the ambulance for, you know, I, I was totally seasick and they had activated the trauma team. So, you know, we walk in and it was like something in a movie, like there was like 10 or 15 people just standing there quietly waiting for us. Mm. And, this is uh, going to be the best episode of Leave it to Bricker ever. I know. Oh, my God. I don't know if I've come down enough to do a Leave it to Bricker, but I, I might. Did you record everything? No, I didn't. God damn it! <laughs> damn it! That would have been a HIPAA violation, you, Kevin. Probably. I just... I, I'm telling you all about it now. But um, yeah, no, it was. And then I got to sleep on a little cot last night, which was like super tiny with a plastic pillow, which really sucked. And um, it's it's uh, he's on the mend, but it was Good. a pretty scary experience. Yeah. So well, mostly, we, obviously, yeah. mostly we care about Will. As long as yeah. he's going to be okay, he is. that's the most important thing. But yes. again, listeners, this would be a very bad time to quit our Patreon. <laughs> and if you're on yes. the cusp of, of joining, it might be a great time to join because- yes. Did we mention Kevin quit his job? <laughs> I, and I said to Ken, I, I don't even want to know. We have insurance, but I don't even want to know what this is going to no, show up like on yeah, the insurance just being transferred to a children's hospital, which I found out was the number close one. Close your eyes yeah. and plug your ears. And yep, pray yep. you have an HRA plan that does some reimbursement. That's all I got to say about yep. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, Toby, before we start, you don't have any horrible things to tell us about, do you? Uh, oh, been... you do? Your vacation's been canceled. Yeah, it's not really that horrible. No. Yeah, we were going to go to Barcelona and Sevilla Barcelona? and Lisbon. Lisbon. And then we canceled that. We went to Plan B, which is to go to the Azores. Um, the Azores? And then we ended up canceling. <laughs> We ended up canceling that too because we thought maybe we'd be stuck in the Azores yeah. for months. Yeah. So it's you a might. staycation. <laughs> yes, a staycation. Uh, it's a voluntary isolation staycation. Well, apparently it's adult time at Laura Bricker's house. Maybe you can go over there, like pretend it's like yeah. Club Med. Come on down. Yeah, it's I'm sandals. here by myself tonight. <laughs> me and the dog and the cats. And I first, I, so Fireman Ken and I are trading off nights in the hospital. So I came home tonight and. Uh, New Hampshire, we are known for our New Hampshire State Liquor Store. So as soon as I crossed the border, there I went. Um, <laughs> had myself some pizza. My favorite wine now comes in a little four-pack of cans. Nice. I mean, how convenient is that? Um, so things are looking up for everything right now, I think. Well, um, and remember, you know. for Laura, it's going to be a December baby. So That's right. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, wait. I forgot to tell you the best part. Today, March 12th, the day that this is all happening that we are taping is my 15th wedding anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. Fireman Ken. How lucky Thank are you to you. be with Laura Bricker? So He's lucky. not. We canceled it. <laughs> we had a trip. We were going to go on a trip. That's not happening. Uh, That's done. So, yeah. Lucky 15. I just want to say, just because this is a quick PSA before we start the podcast, Kevin. Sure. I am not allowing jokes about coronavirus on our Facebook group, and I'm not making jokes about actual coronavirus and coronavirus panic on this podcast, other than to sort of say, like, we know rough times are coming, because I understand this is very serious, and I want everyone to know that we know it's serious, we're taking it seriously, and we know there are many vulnerable people out there, including listeners of this podcast, for whom it's very serious. I don't want you to think I'm minimizing that. What we're expressing now right here is just straight up fear, and let's just be real. Sometimes you need a podcast to listen to, recommendation to help you get through that fear. And that's why we're here. Right, Kevin? You bet. So that being said, Kevin. Yeah. Should we tell our listeners what not to listen to right now? Let's do it. Oh, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) 
It's just a small town in the middle of nowhere. How could something so horrific and terrifying found its way here? News giant HLN is out with its first true crime podcast. On a day off of school in 2017, Abby Williams and Libby German of Delphi, Indiana, went for a walk over the Monon High Bridge. Their families began to panic when the teenagers did not return from their hike. It was a mild winter day in Delphi, Indiana. Abby Williams and Libby German went for a hike and vanished. Police are also examining this Snapchat photo. It was taken just before both girls disappeared about 60 miles northwest of Indianapolis. The next day, their bodies were found. We are investigating this as a crime scene. We suspect foul play. After an overnight search, Abby and Libby's bodies were discovered. While little has been released about the murders, authorities have released photos and a little clip of audio from Libby's cell phone, which may have captured their killer. Law enforcement is saying that one of the girls actually took video on her iPhone. They say it was right before she was murdered. But the man in that video remains a mystery. It's amazing that we have a video, we have a still photograph, we have sound, and we don't know who this person is. And that mystery is a cloud that still hangs over Delphi. It could be half of the white males in Carroll County. Anywhere you go, you're always thinking about, okay, could that be that person? To the killer who may be in this room, we likely have interviewed you. We know that this is about power to you, and you want to know what we know, and one day, you will. In Down the Hill, the Delphi Murders hosts Barbara McDonald, Dan Sematovich, and Andrew Iden interview family, friends, and local officials seeking to shed light on a high-profile crime with few public details and hoping someone will come forward with information that will crack the case. Spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about plot points from Down the Hill, the Delphi Murders. So if you want to remain spoiler-free, just go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our Thumbs Up or Thumbs Down review. Lara Bricker, you hate this podcast. Why? I hate this podcast so much. Um, I'm going to, I guess the main reason I, and I'm trying to, I'll do my diplomatic reason. I think sometimes cable news style discussion and reporting, that's where it should stay. Cable news style reporting should stay at cable news. It should not translate to a podcast because it doesn't translate with the storytelling. So it just, I felt like I was like watching something like when, I mean, I was watching all of the political debates and stuff and they'd have like the line of people commentating when they're like um, up there discussing something that was happening. It just was horrible. The only person who can translate from that it to from TV to podcast like that is Keith Morrison. These people cannot. And I think it was just the style of it where they were like, and now we're in the writer's room and we're going to, you know, discuss something. I'm Andrew Iden. And I'm Barbara McDonald. And we're here in the writer's room at CNN Center. And Barb, as we look at this case and kind of where we are in the timeline, here's what we know. Two girls, Abigail Williams and Liberty German, 13 and 14, have been murdered. We know that... These girls went missing late in the afternoon. I don't know. There was many reasons I hated this podcast. Well, I do want to talk about the format because they do do some, Kevin, in the field stuff. Mm-hmm. And the podcast opens kind of strong with some in the field stuff, I right? I liked, the, actually, maybe the first 15 minutes of this podcast, right? Good audio right from the start where they're doing their root talk, walking through the woods with uh, one of the first responders. What does it mean to you to see this memorial when you come out here? Ah, this intersection's tough for me. It'll always be tough for me. I can close my eyes and I can see him. You know, I can see he came from the left side over here and... And then we hear the producers, they have a setup where the producers are all going to talk about, you know, the podcast, why they wanted to do the podcast, which I think should happen more often. I think that some other podcasts that would really benefit from that kind of perspective. This is why we wanted to do it. And then we start to hear from the family members, and then it starts getting bogged down. And then it becomes this podcast. Mm. So, Toby, what are your thoughts just about the format of this? Do you think it works? You know, I don't think it works, but I, I, I get what they're trying to do, which I think is is an interesting idea, which is, can you take, and I don't watch HLN, but what I imagine it's like, which is this sort of real-time there's this crime that's been investigated. We're going to be following the case as it progresses, which I think probably, you know, it obviously has this audience and it probably seems fairly compelling to watch this thing as it unfolds. 
And can you bring that same kind of energy uh, to a podcast? And so I don't think that's like a bad idea necessarily, but I think they have to think it through a little bit more because part of the deal with being a podcast is that it's not live. Mm. And this stuff happened a while ago. And even if it's only like two weeks ago and they just put it together, it's still, it doesn't have that freshness. So I, I feel like they just make a lot of cable, I, a little bit like Laura was saying, I think they make a lot of cable news decisions that don't really play that well for podcasts. So they'll play like long periods of like a press conference when it would have been way more effective to have like maybe two minutes of mm. the stuff that was interesting. Uh, and there's just there's just a lot of decisions that are made like that. There's so many people, especially in the first two episodes, that they're talking about. And it's really hard to keep track of who's who because I think it, I think it's Libby's parents are, are, are divorced or separated and different last names. And then there's aunts and friends and sisters. So there's just all these different names of people talking about things, basically saying the same thing. Over and over and over. Yeah. And I just, you know, I just finally gave up trying to keep track of who's who because really there wasn't a whole lot of variety in what they were saying. And again, if it's on TV and you've got, you can see the person and they can put a little thing along the bottom that says, you know, Jim Smith, you know, Abby's uncle, then it's like, oh, okay, that's who that is. On a podcast... Like they either have to keep repeating it or if they don't, hopefully you remember, but in this case you don't. So there's just all these different things which seem like there are probably like reasonable decisions if you're putting this on cable TV and they don't work for podcasts. So I kind of, you know, it seemed like there wasn't somebody there as a part of it who could say, this is not going to work. You mean an in editor? Podcast format. You're talking about yeah. an editor is what you're talking about. Well, this, a podcast editor. Well, this I, is, I'm sure they had TV editors doing it. I, I, my, the credits tell me it's just the three of them making this podcast. And for some reason, they be. decided to do these absurd three-person, quote, writer's room chats, which sound like they are taped in a public bathroom. They're like, there's all this like, <laughs> you know, very well-sourced field tape where it sounds mm-hmm. very intimate and by the microphone. And then it's like you get to the part where they're doing their continuity, which the three of them talking, saying, like, this is what happened. And this is what we were thinking and yada, yada. It literally sounds like it was taped in a public toilet. Why are we telling this story? I, I think the, the answer is easy for me. It's the imagery. And, you know, I've, I've worked at HLN since 2005, done hundreds of crime stories. And sometimes some just pop. Others just go along the rest of the way. This one, for me, the imagery, I don't remember a case having that. And that that's really what jumped out at me. And I remember those early days and a lot of people were kind of captured. By the by way, I just want to like just say one thing. I know there are people listening to our show right now who are familiar with this crime and maybe close to it geographically and feel like someone is telling a story that is doing these victims and the family a service. I am not talking about the case. Like what we're talking about is what they are doing with the case in this podcast. And Kevin, there is one huge problem with a lack of disclosure that they make at the very beginning of this podcast before leading us through two episodes, which add up to approximately a hundred and a million minutes. And what is that huge flaw? What don't they disclose that a listener to a podcast absolutely 100% needs to know? Well, and and I went back and said to you, when you start listening to this, I think I might have missed something. Right. Tell me if, if I missed it and you hear it. Right. They never explain, they never tell us ahead of time how little information about the crime itself right. is actually revealed. Right. And while that's not a mortal sin, you can tell a podcast without that kind of information. Uh, it takes a little more creativity. You may have to lean on some other things. But they never tell us that. So, Yet they keep talking about a gruesome crime scene. And so it makes you wonder, well, how do they know that? They're right. going to tell us how they know that. Right. And it's just this whole thing, I think, is a green banana. It's just not ready to tell a story. Right. I mean, it's obvious the police see the value in the publicity and a podcast, but they just don't have anything to say. So it's not worth the trip. Right. Because I don't know what the crime was. They don't tell us what the crime was because they don't know. And they never tell us that they don't know what the crime was. Mm Mm-hmm. 
That was it's so a, it's a sin. It's a sin yeah. because what they do do is they drop nuggets just, just along the way. It's a basic storytelling thing. But it's also yeah. like a journalistic yep. sin. And I actually think they are mm-hmm. doing the story and as much as time as they try to spend with the victims and they try to spend with the families and they do all this, what they're thinking is service, it is a sin to pretend that there is more here than there is here. It's a journalistic sin. And when they say things like, this is new information, and then they tell you something that doesn't tell you anything, I don't know. To me, it's a journalistic sin. Laura, is that part of what is part yeah, of what fuels your rage? That is. I think that was one of the things that I found extremely frustrating about listening to this podcast is like we have all like I'm sure, Kevin, you've covered stories where the police can't release information. And the mm-hmm. first thing I say is police said they couldn't release any information. They did note, however, that it was a particularly disturbing crime scene. And because of the ongoing nature of the investigation, they can't say anything right now. But they don't say that. So I keep waiting and waiting. And then I'm like, then my mind gets away with me. So then I went online and I'm like, well, does someone else know why the crime scene was so gruesome? Like, does someone else know what happened to these kids? Because it was very confusing to me. And then they talk about the guy who had to have like the three coffee ride home. And I'm like, so... Why give us those details that then make it more confusing if you can't give us any actual information? I just felt like it muddied the waters. Mm -hmm. And they did that a couple times with other information as well, where they'd be like talking about something, but they won't reveal anything. And it was just maddening because... It wasn't just like a short clip. It was like an ongoing thing. I mean, and that was the thing when you're talking about an editor. It's like every interview we have with somebody, we have like the entire interview with them. And they all say the same. And then, well, how did that make you feel when you went to school and you heard they were missing? And I'm like, how the fuck do you think it made them feel? Like, that's a stupid question. Sorry. Well, I heard but all I, those interviews, Laura, as a yeah. former radio reporter, to me, it felt like raw tape. Yeah. They were just rolling. And in my head, I'm saying, I'm saying to myself, I don't hear the sound bite. I don't hear the sound bite. I don't hear the sound bite yet. And again, you're right. I, do we have to hear from every single person in town? About where they were? Where they were. When they found out something? And how they felt. We know how they felt, How do you course. feel when you read this newspaper article? There's literally article. an hour. There's literally like an hour-long episode of just people talking about where they were when they heard. Yeah. You know, and what their reaction was. I was just going to say before, they make it sound like there's a lot of information, right? Because they're like, I think in the that little montage at the beginning- they say, how could, you know, how could nobody be caught? We have a picture of them. We have a voice recording and, and all this stuff. It's like, oh, really? That's like, how, how could they not catch that person? It's amazing that we have a video. We have a still photograph. We have sound. And we don't know who this person is. It could be half of the white males in Carroll County. To the killer. Who but then it's like true. this crappy, you know, pixelated picture. And the voice recording, you can barely It's like understand. ghost hunters, yeah. And... <laughs> It is. It's like ghost hunters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole the whole thing is a little weird. Like they start off, and the guy says, "You know what really like want, made me want to do what made it pop the story." No, was- he says, "What made it pop?" And what oh, he God. means is, "What made this case make TV?" Right. He doesn't mean what made this case more important. What made these murders more sad? He says over and over and over again, "What makes this story pop?" I find that disgusting in like a mirror. And I'm not saying the story isn't important. I'm saying it is wrong to focus an hour and a half on where people were when they heard news because HLN has decided that this story has, quote, popped because there is a still image and three words that sound like it's from Ghost Hunters. And he says at the beginning why he wanted to do it was because of the the image. And I was like... you understand this is a podcast, right? Yeah. You wanted the opportunity to describe an ish, this image? Is that really what you're saying? Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see this done well, <laughs> where they did try and immerse you in this sort of like fake as it happens type of thing, because I think that could be interesting, but it just seems like there's just very little judgment displayed in making this and I don't I don't think I hate it as much as everybody else does but there's just not much to recommend it it's just long and seems kind of pointless because it doesn't go anywhere they said we're the true crime news leader on television yeah how come we don't have a true crime podcast well you know what I hate Kevin what I hate that in episode one in one of their little bathroom recorded 
sports commentary <laughs> sections. <laughs> Literally, it sounds like th- those. those Here the, we are. The, We're back in the writers' yeah, room. The whole area, the three, the whole parts of three of them talking together. Yeah. You know how like on football broadcasts or baseball broadcasts when mm-hmm. there's nothing going on and it's just a bunch of dudes sitting at a table just filling time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what like the entire commentary of this podcast sounds like. All the continuity with the three of them sounds like boring sports commentators trying to fill time. And the worst, to me, the worst sin they commit, aside from the other one I mentioned, is in the first episode they say, we are not here to try to solve this case. That's not what we're doing. And then in a later episode, they say, As we go through this journey together, we're trying to answer the, the big questions. Who did this? What the hell happened out there that day? And how hasn't this been solved yet? Say you are fucking trying to solve the case or get or don't say you're trying to solve the case. Don't try to play both sides of the coin and don't be three very bad sports commentators talking about a crime as if it's the most interesting thing you've heard about. And if you're the most knowledgeable people to do it and then literally do things like we heard the word profiling. So we decided to go to an FBI person and find out what that means and then play 20 minutes of that. We, we heard the what a signature, signature is. Yeah. So then we decided to find out what that means. Let's play 20 minutes. Anybody listening to this podcast knows what a signature is. Yeah. Anybody. That was that was really, I felt like it was like um, crime scene for dummies or something. The other thing they did that was very frustrating is yeah. those big, it was, it was like, well, sometimes there's a modus operandi. I'm like, no shit. Um, <laughs> what the fuck? But then they tr- they dropped the recordings from the actual TV shows that they had done when they recorded. Like, so yeah. there'd be this big block of like tape that was clearly from a TV audio. They interview. play the whole thing. They play the whole thing. And I thing. was like, I'm yeah. like, why is this in here? I think that's the same thing. It's like, as it happens, like trying to, trying to get you in that sort of you're there while this is while this is going on kind of feel which again i get the idea behind it it just doesn't work the way they've done it toby there's one more thing that like i just want to throw at you there's a lot of shade thrown at law enforcement in the first couple episodes of this podcast where they're like the controversy of them taking down the search overnight you know they didn't have the proper lights and that was a controversial decision and they they throw a lot of shade at local law enforcement in this podcast with absolutely no evidence that them doing anything differently would have saved these two girls who were very clearly, to me, as an outside observer with almost no information, very clearly murdered, like, during the day, very closely after they were asked to walk down the hill or whatever. Like, discontinuing the search, they give no evidence that would have saved anybody's life would have changed anything about the outcome. It's and they unlikely spent, that they disappeared and were murdered yes, 18 hours later. They weren't taken to a different location. They yeah. spent a tremendous amount of time. And I get that, like, why the local media would have done that at the time, asking questions or whatever. This podcast, like, puts a focus on it that to me makes, like, no sense because they don't know what actually happened. We don't know what actually happened. And they have no evidence that any of that would have made a difference. Did you hear that, too? Is this the network that has Nancy Grace? <laughs> One point they did. Yeah. I hate to say it, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, I mean, I I heard that. And I just kind of felt like that kind of came with the territory. That sort of low information criticism or low information opinion making kind of comes with the territory. What was a little jarring <laughs> was that, and then how they like kind of buddy up to the individual policemen mm-hmm. and, and how forthcoming the policemen actually are. Although not necessarily always in ways that I found super confidence instilling. Well, you don't think that was um, actually the voice of Satan on that tape, Toby? That the, the, <laughs> the, the sort of religious imagery stuff uh, that the cops use was really, I mean, I found it kind of wild, quite honestly. And I think that the, the voice of Satan thing, I think was the most obvious, but I mean, they they talk about their religion like quite a bit. Which, if you're if you're religious or whatever, that that's that's awesome. But it, what kind of component of your like law enforcement duty is like sort of ruminating about evil and, and stuff like that? It, it just seemed odd. I want to talk about that tape. I mean, I listened to that recording like four or five times. And I couldn't understand or hear what the guy was saying. Am I alone in that? Could you guys no. understand what the guy was saying? It was a ghost no. hunter's tape. Micah, play the clip, please. 
play it one more time. And by the way, anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, there's a bunch of shows. One of them is called Ghost Hunters, where people do supernatural investigations and they go into, and there's one, by the way, I think it's, isn't it Ghost Hunters, the one that has like the guy who's like Payne Lindsay, yeah. who goes into like a house or like a building or whatever with his team of paranormal investigators. And they gather tape and they play it back and then they tell you what it said and they'll be like, when you listen to this tape, you'll hear that it says, get out, Kevin. All right, let's listen to the tape. And it sounds like this. Basimua. Wait, let me slow it down. Basimua. Clearly it said, get out, Kevin. Now, I'm not saying that the guy didn't say down the hill. Like, I actually do hear that. I also think, and I understand there are reasons why law enforcement did this. And again, we're not trying to belittle the facts of the case or the investigation. Clearly, I mean, to me, to my my opinion is the girls recorded a lot, probably them talking to each other about what they were feeling, what they were thinking. Maybe they recorded other details. They only had this one tiny clip of the guy in isolation and maybe that was part of a longer sentence. I'm not saying they should release more. There are probably reasons why they didn't. But the fact that they're, this podcast is leaning so heavily on that, to me also, Laura, yes, I also didn't think it rang the same way that you well, thought it did. I have to tell you, the first time, the reason I couldn't understand it, Rebecca, is because I took uh, Kevin's tip and I was playing it at 1.5 speed. Same. <laughs> So that I had to go back to regular speed. And I was like, I still don't know what it says. Yeah. Oh, well. One other quick thing I want to mention, as long as we're just saying everything we hate about the podcast, the scoring is terrible. The uh, music that they had composed for this. First of all, if you listen on 1.5 speed, which I believe one must in order to get through this <laughs> podcast, um, it is especially egregious the way this is scored. I just want to play a clip of what that sounds like right now. Police are also examining this Snapchat photo. It was taken just before both girls disappeared. I made the announcement that the girls have been found and it was not to a good end. We are investigating this as a crime scene. Uh, we this is a well-financed TV network. They could do better, right? Yes, they could. All right. Well, we didn't talk anything about the case. Because we didn't learn anything about the case. <laughs> it's true. You can everything. I learned more from the Wikipedia page, honest to God. 100% the same. Yeah. I think we should do what we do and let our listeners know. Should they check out Down the Hill, The Delphi Murders, the podcast? I'm not, this is not a review of whether or not they should care about the murders of these two poor young teenagers who obviously like suffered a horrible death and their families are suffering. And this is in no way a judgment on this case or their families or them. Should our listeners check out this podcast? Laura Bricker, I'm going to start with you. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Um, I'm going thumbs down. You know, I think it's unfortunate because I think that this is a case and this is a story that could use some attention. Um, it's it's obviously a case that they've got some leads, but they haven't really got enough leads to make any sort of arrest or identify, you know, who the murderer of these girls might be. But I think my biggest you know, thing of why it, this this is something that's like a cable news program. This is not uh, a podcast. It doesn't translate into a podcast. Uh, the storytelling is just very repetitive and slow. And I would just, I mean, unless you are literally quarantined in your house for the next year and you have nothing else to listen to and maybe, I mean, no, thumbs down. What about you, Toby Ball? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Down the Hill, the Delphi Murders? I, I think like everybody, I'm going to give it a thumbs down. I don't think I have as strongly harsh feelings, but it's just, it doesn't really get anywhere. Like, I think you could literally do like a 20 minute podcast and get the same information across. Yeah, I just, I, I think I've said before, I think their general approach and like the idea of what they wanted to do might be promising in other hands or whatever, but I, I just think it, there's just a lot of not very good choices. And I, you know, I think maybe the case, sort of the facts of the case don't really allow for a whole lot here either. So thumbs down. Kevin Flynn. Yeah, I wish I had another set of hands. So I could give this shit four thumbs down. <laughs> um, yeah, way down for me. And I, I know I'm on the right track here because we heard first from our fans on Facebook mm. telling us how shitty this was and how we're going to hate it. Because they learned from us how to yeah. hate things. <laughs> and I'm listening at first. I'm like, no, they're all wrong. They're all wrong. Oh, no, they're right. <laughs> and I don't want to use the term that there's no there there. But there's not enough there here to justify the amount of time 
they're dedicating to this as a podcast. It is the definition of a green banana. This case is not ready for prime time yet. And I think perhaps that's why it's not on television and it's on a podcast. But I do question why a TV news network would feature a case in which the only real evidence is a visual to do that as a podcast. Hmm. Yeah, I'm a huge thumbs down for this podcast. It is half-baked. I think it could have been, you know, the first two episodes were like basically two and a half hours, two hours and 15 minutes. Could have been a very tight 30 minutes of basically saying, we don't know what happened, but here's what we have. And they could have done maybe two or three more shortish episodes laying out the mystery Mm -hmm. for those who didn't know the national story and like sparked some real interest in what actually happened. The way they've chosen to do this, it's like the missing Maura Murray of national TV show podcasts, except I forgive missing Maura Murray because made by two earnest guys who just got super interested in a case and maybe talked way too long about it. You know did, way the fuck more about Maura Murray than we know what happened in this yeah, case. Yeah, but they did way, you know, they went on all these weird side roads with the psychic yeah, and the right. penny and the, all that stuff. But you know what? I forgive those guys because, you know, they're not a television network with journalism professionals behind this. They're two guys. This is worse it commits more journalistic sins than missing Maura Murray. Few people there. If that's possible. And I have never, ever, ever listened to anything we've ever reviewed on a one and a half speed before. There was the only way I could get through a number of episodes of this podcast. And I will say for the record, I have never, ever, ever not listened to something fully that we were reviewing the amount of material that was out until this podcast. I tapped out. When they talked you about left the theater, I left the theater when they talked about he left a signature, maybe multiple signatures. And they were like, now let's talk to an FBI agent about what a signature is. I was like, I can't fucking do this anymore. I was out. I was out. And I just want to say one last thing. I do credit them for trying to bring voices to the victims by doing these little victim profiles in the middle of each of these episodes except they didn't bring anything to actually honor the victims or bring light to the case. They should have been online extras. This whole thing was produced by clowns. It makes me super, super (laughs) angry that it wasn't done better. Eight thumbs down for me. You know, they said they had 30 hours of tape. Yes. And I'm like, this is the best six. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Everybody has seen so many movies and TV series that we think we know what a twisted mind looks like. But honestly, getting close to this case, it was shocking. It was very real, very terrifying, deeply twisted. From Stitcher and Witness Docs comes the new podcast, Verified. This 10-part series tells the story of several women who use the website couchsurfing.com to find a free place to stay while visiting Italy. They felt they could trust their host, a police officer named Leonardo, with a verified account who acted as an enthusiastic tour guide. Women from all over the world were looking for adventure in Italy. We never did something like this before. I'd love to go to Venice. They didn't know each other, but they were all taken in by the same man. He says he's a policeman. And he was very verified. They never suspected they'd end up in a trap. Did you see him preparing the tea? Yeah. Did you notice something? I saw him pouring white powder. But I I still drank the tea. Call me stupid. Leonardo drugged and assaulted his guests and threatened them if they used the couchsurfing website to warn others. After getting little help from authorities, survivors track each other down in an effort to stop the assaults and get justice for themselves. They're lionesses, (laughs) and they changed my life. In ancient times, people were killed by the gods and sent to the worst kind of hell for betraying the trust of a guest. He crossed the wrong woman, (laughs) the wrong women. Verified empowers the victims and lets them tell their story. It shines a light on a criminal who knew how to work with the system and asks questions about safety when technology facilitates trust between strangers. Now, all 10 episodes of Verified are available on Stitcher Premium, but we're going to be talking about plot points for the first five episodes that are available on all platforms. So to remain spoiler-free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs-up or thumbs-down review. 
Now, Kevin, this podcast strikes a real balance between being a guided podcast with a, I think, very strong host in Natasha Del Toro. Mm-hmm. But that that balance between hosting it, telling the story, and letting victims have a presence in podcast can be a tough one to strike. How do you think Verify does in that balance? I think it does very well, certainly in the beginning. I am somebody who's listened to all 10 episodes. Later on, I'll touch on you know what the final five are, but I certainly think in this first half, they do a very good job of just sort of staying out of the way and letting them tell their story. Now, you can't always do that. Not every interviewee is great at telling their story. And there are times when we've, we've criticized some podcasts when the host did not get involved and certainly didn't feel like they were steering the ship in any any fashion. I think that the people that they have, they are very good at explaining what happened to them. And so the host makes the wise choice of letting them go on for extended periods of time because it is compelling all the way through. I am laying down and um, Leonardo is laying down next to me. We are not very close to each other. There's a space between our bodies, but we are holding hands in the middle of that space. And at one point, he asks me for a kiss, and I say, no, I I don't want to do that. Say, unlike the other podcast, where if you hear a long soundbite of somebody just talking about whatever, they pick some quality stuff here to let them go with. Yeah, but Kevin, let's not fool ourselves. Even with long interviews in this podcast, they were edited so that we got okay, a story. Yeah, sure, yeah. I mean, this is the thing that like it I could keep... see, but you don't know and that's exactly. the, that's the mark of good editing. Good editing. It could have been lightly edited. It could be stitched together like Frankenstein. That's right. You'll never know. When you have a woman telling the story of what happened to her and in 30 seconds, I mean, one of the notes I made for this podcast is this podcast is very well crafted. It's tightly set up for just about every section of the first couple of episodes. Yeah. They explain what couch surfing is, how it works. You have multiple women talking about why they use the platform in a way that made sense in the narrative. They talked about what happened to them in a way that made sense in the narrative. We did not get a million reactions of, so how did you feel when you found out that this wasn't what you thought it was with mm-hmm. 15 minutes of blow. That is what editing is. That is what is different between the other podcast and this podcast. Okay, so moving on, let's talk about the story. Lara Bricker, uh, you seem to be a person who would mistrust a platform like couch surfing to begin with. <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't want to like, you know, hem you in. It just seems like something that you wouldn't be into unless you had done a thorough private eye investigation. Right. Um, and we're not victim blaming, obviously. But does this podcast underscore your mistrust of things available on the internet that seem too good to be true? Yeah. No, I, I mean, I won't even do like an Airbnb. I, I'm so paranoid about getting stuck in a situation, not where something like this is going to happen. But like I did one time one of those vacation rental things where you traded in and I, I took my grandparents. It was horrible. I thought we were going to a cottage on a lake and we got there and we were in somebody's garage, like college apartment behind the actual house. And it wasn't at all. It was like false out. So like that turned me off of these. But the couch surfing idea just seems so freaking creepy. I mean, like not to it just seems like a perfect venue for somebody that wants to do something inappropriate Hmm. to get out there and lurk to me. Like, I mean, I I understand that like when you're young and you're traveling, you, 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 you know, you're trying to do it on a budget and you're probably trying to find cheap places to stay. But I, even with reviews, man, I, I I don't know. Would you guys just, oh, yeah, I'm going to go sleep on some oh, person's yeah. couch. I'm 100% like, no. I would. You would? Oh, I'm like a Verbo and Airbnb. No. no. Every vacation we go on, I'm like, let's just rent this person. I'm, I'm, I'm open to it. Maybe. Couch surfing? I think the better yeah, question ca- is, would you be comfortable with your kid doing it? No. No. Like, I'm not no. down for no, that. No, so that, no. to me, is the limit test. Toby, I want to get back to the storytelling for a second. What do you think of the crafting of this podcast in general? The episodes we've listened to, uh, what are your thoughts just as a storyteller and the way that they've been stitched together? And I think one of the most important things, as Laura was just pointing out, is getting in the heads of the victims and why it was they used this kind of platform and method of travel to begin with. 
Yeah, I, I really liked it. I think especially the first episode. So there's a little bit about why they chose that platform and, and, and sort of what they what they were trying to do. Uh, but then telling the story of their experience staying at this guy Leonardo's, which I guess, spoiler alert, involves them all getting drugged to various degrees and then going out dancing and, you know, driving around and there's some other guy there and then being in a bed while completely out of your mind and having him like lie down next to you. I think it's a difficult thing to get across describing a night that seems so confused uh, and so disorienting and in which you're not even really sure exactly what happens and getting that all across and also giving enough of a sense of what actually did happen and sort of your reactions, I think it's a tough thing to do. Like, I mean, it's it's tough enough to do when you're writing and you're just kind of coming up with it. But to have that, like trying to pull that from your memories of what must have been sort of both kind of confusing and traumatic. You know, I thought the first episode was was really excellent and was an excellent, you know, example of really good narrative storytelling. In a, in a podcast. Like, I, I really felt like I could, got a good sense of that experience. It seems like it kind of backs away a little bit from there. You know, then it becomes more of a story of these Portuguese women uh, trying to find other people who might have had a similar experience. And then you get an experience uh, from an American uh, woman who is studying in, in England who goes to the same guy's place, except she goes by herself. And again, it's like slightly removed. Like she's sort of telling her story, but it's not quite as immersive. Mm. I mean, it was all really good. I mean, it's all really well done. All the stuff I listened to, which is up through episode four. Yeah. I thought all the episodes were really good. I thought the first episode was great. Me too. And then I thought the other episodes were really good, but but not quite up to that standard, which, you know, to be fair, is like a super high standard as far as I was concerned. Toby, I thought episode one was great. Episodes two and three were very strong. I thought episode four was not strong, the one about the journalists, mostly because I think we spent too much time on their background before they became journalists. Like, the one thing I will say to whoever edited this is I don't care if somebody wanted to be an archaeologist before they were a journalist, unless it's important to the story, unless unless the journalism they're doing is they actually find some bones and they're reporting on those bones and the fact that they had an interest in archaeology played into that. Like, that doesn't matter the only thing that was interesting to me about the journalist story was how totally fucked up journalism is in countries outside the United States. I'm only calling it fucked up because that's what I know. Like, I know <laughs> the United States and our tenets of journalism. But the idea, Kevin, that like as a journalist, you'd be trying to do interviews with people that are actually also going to be sworn statements used in court. Like, that's fucked up, right? It is. But if you think the journalism system in Italy exactly. is weird. How about the justice system? Yes, let's talk oh, about that. How God. much would you not want to be arrested in Italy, Kevin? Scale of one to ten. Well, I checked or with a my victim fr- of a crime in Italy, scale of one to ten. I just texted Amanda Knox and asked her <laughs> what she thought. Yeah. And Toby, I know you're Don't a big fan of- Don't say her name. Now we're going to get a million trolls. I know what the fuck. <laughs> it's like you said something, like I said something about Barbara and Carisi, like having a relationship. <laughs> the Barisis are out there and they're coming for me. Toby, you liked Monster of Florence too, right? I know yeah. you did that, right? So nuts. So I mean, really sheds a light on that Italian justice system. And I'm here thinking, no way is it going to come through. No way is it going to come through. But you're back, Rebecca. You're right. I did find the journalist characters. I'll use that term to be really interesting. And yeah, I mean, to think that basically you're acting as an agent of the state. Mm. I'm sure Italian defense investigator Laura Bricker would lose her goddamn mind if she found out that incriminating statement came from a journalist. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking about, I was thinking about like Ronan Farrow when I was listening to that episode. Mm-hmm. They're actually trying to get evidence that could be used in court, right? And mm-hmm. like someone who knows nothing about journalism would be like, sure, why not? Well, the reason why not is that what if the evidence you get to be used in court is wrong? Like, What mm-hmm. if it's not true, right? Just because you did a long interview doesn't mean it's necessarily true. But I think about Ronan Farrow because he definitely walks, like you look at the way his journalism has advanced to a conviction. Like his, his journalism is what made a case get into the public eye enough that then law enforcement pursued it 
But he didn't hand over his materials to the cops and be like, here, like, like, that's just not how it works. Like, it's just not how it works here. So that was interesting to me. And Laura, we heard sort of a couple of different stories of these victims, like dealing with police. Um, And we heard one victim in particular talk about how, like, she was really deciding what to do. She had just, like, woken up from this experience, had all this blackout time periods. She knew she had been drugged. And she made the you know, reasonable decision to do what she could do and then go to the police. She was going to leave a re- bad review on couchsurfing.com and then go to the cops. And she was like, if only I had gone the other way around. And then we sort of hear how the cops talk to them and you kind of yeah. get it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that that was, I was walking at that point and that's when I started walking a lot faster because I was like, these poor girls so they go to the police the police basically are like well you brought it upon yourself uh you shouldn't mm. have been doing that and then you have the guy typing up the report who looks so bored he's not even paying attention so they're basically just dismissed and victim blamed and then the fallout from that is that then they decide to go do their own investigation and their own sting operation because right. the police won't take them seriously and On tell them Facebook. they're dropping the case and I'm like, you know, where the one girl is going to go and, and basically go back to see him so they can try to catch him in the act and get evidence. And I'm like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? Like, so this is what happens when you have a system like that that is broken and that is not even doing what it should be to protect victims of crimes when they come to report something. No, that was bananas when they were like, we're just going to go back and let him yeah. drug yeah. and rape us again. So that- yeah. We know that it happened. And, and it's really crazy. So thank goodness for the boyfriend there who was like, um, I don't think this is such a good idea. And he's the one that's <laughs> when you get the journal. Like, you know, I, I'm going to call the journalists and see what they can do. It certainly speaks to their sense of desperation that, you know, nobody official is going to help them, that they feel like they have to do their own sting. Yeah. You know, before they get the assistance of the journalist. Yeah. But it really speaks to the fact that nobody is, is, is helping them. I found one thing really enlightening and I, I could be completely wrong. And our friends out there from Italy, and by the way, I hope all our friends in Italy are doing okay. Yeah, same. Um, but it seems like... Except Leonardo. Except Leonardo. Slash Dino. Dino. Like the way they treat women is like the men there put them on a pedestal at the same time they are putting them down. 100%. That, you know, they're like, I am Bella. And they seem like they're revering them the whole time they're being chauvinistic. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Man, and I th- those and are I, my people. They and, suck. Yeah, I know, and I and I love you Italians. Uh, but I feel like that is sort of part of the shtick that he was able to get away with it. Yeah, you certainly couldn't get that. Oh, you couldn't get that close. I'm in love with you. Yeah, like you know, if you're in another part of the drink, world. my weird homemade yeah. wine while I'm yelling at my mother. I'm not a big drinker to begin with, so when I saw the wine, I knew about Italian culture and I didn't want to deny drinking it. So I decided to just put the little cup to my lips and just barely touch it. So that's the extent of what I've drank. Just for him to see that I was trying it, basically. Right, yeah. They all thought there were cultural norms that they were trying to fit into. Quick question, Kevin. Yeah. So the mother, the episode called Belinda, the mother-daughter horrible Mm -hmm. rape situation. I know who Laura and I both thought that was. Listen, that episode was really moving in a myriad of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But- at the end, you know, we basically get Dino on tape admitting to everything he did, thinking know, he's yeah. going to get away with it, which is nuts. I mean, you don't miss well, I put it there, prosecutor. I did. I don't know how I managed with her being always there, but when did you give it to her? While we were sitting there, I put the pill inside. But at the end of the episode, they go to Dino's house. The cops do. Mm-hmm. And they see two suitcases in the lobby. This is like immediately after he's confessed to drugging these women and raping one of them. They see two suitcases in his lobby because there's a new guest at his house. The balls? How much balls does it take to confess to a rape while you have your next victim about to check in at your couch surf? Well, what's Italian for big testicles? I I don't know. Testicles. I don't know. Yeah, it's a lot of... Look, and I don't want to spoil in the actual spoiler part of the podcast, but it gets worse. Just a quick thumbnail of what the the, the subsequent ep- episodes are. There is one whole episode where they do uh, the dream style uh, treatment to couchsurfing.com. The takedown? 
the kind of the takedown, setting up, finding out how do you be verified? Because being verified is not only just the title, it's an important part of the crime because they, there's some trust in that. And then um, they turn the storytelling over to the producer. I think it's Dan Bloom. Mm-hmm. And he shadowed the women at some legal proceedings. And the way they presented that was like one of those bad versions of Radiolab mm. or like in Broken Justice where they're like, oh, boy, whoa, why did that happen? And it, it doesn't it isn't acted well. You know okay. what I'm saying? So what you're saying is what we think of the so far. We might not think in the future you're ruining it's, it. Well, I'll tell you in my review whether or not that's enough to sink it. But that's where the rest of it is going. But still lots of uh, substantive stuff coming up. All right. Well, can we enter the spoiler-free version of the podcast? Let's go spoiler-free. No. All right, let's, let's no, do No, wait. Wait, Toby's got something. I've got a question for you. Yeah. Rebecca. Yeah? So there's this weird thing where she says, when I was going through the pictures, I found this really compelling one of Leo and, you know, Maria in Venice. If you want to see it, text me oh. episode one yeah, 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 to yeah, this yeah. number. Yeah, we got to talk about that. So to break the ice, here's how we're going to start. Text the word one, that's O-N-E, to this number, 1-855-670-1777. I want you to meet Maria and her friends. So we're going to send you a couple of pictures that they took on their walking tour of Padua with their host, Leonardo. I was like, there's no fucking way I'm going to text you. Okay. Something. So like, that is I don't, genius. Why would I do that? That's the first time I ever heard anything like that in a podcast before. And it wasn't in the Stitcher Premium. Version, so you didn't hear way. that. So that was an yeah, inserted. I don't know. Tell me what you're digital. talking about. Okay. Yeah. So Kevin, for if you since you haven't heard it, there are many points in the episode in the episodes where in an, uh, like an episode of In the Dark, you would hear. Uh, so they we went through the tunnel and we have video. And if you want to see the video mm-hmm. of that tunnel, go to the In the Dark website and look at the video. Right. Yep. There were little promos like that in the podcast where she would say, we took pictures of the journalists doing their work. If you want to see those pictures, text me at, and then she'd give a number and use the code blah, 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 and I will send those pictures to you, okay? On your phone? Yes. Did, okay. did you do it? No, of course fucking not <laughs> I did it. But, but I can tell you what that what I believe that is. Of course, I haven't talked to people at Stitcher, but here's what I believe that is. So collecting email addresses is one way of sort of getting user data so that you mm-hmm. can then have relationships with people and sort of drive them down a funnel where then later you ask them for more stuff like, hey, now listen to this new podcast we're putting out and you like sort of, you know, more engaged sort of super fans like email addresses is one. So I am, as you know, by day, I work in digital news. And so I go to a lot of conferences and I a lot of seminars and I'm in a lot of webinars and one of the biggest sort of technological trends that's happening right now is instead of collecting email addresses, it's collecting cell phone numbers because there are like MailChimp programs, but like for cell phones where you can then blast people through text mm-hmm. with with text message newsletters and text message alerts and text message whatever. The open rate and engagement rate on text is like 10 times higher than email. Right. So if I were smart... And had money and we're thinking about a way to build a hyper user audience that later I wanted to engage with more. Like, for example, when I put out season two of Verified, which might be about, I don't know, like Uber or whatever they're going to make it about. The very best way to get those super users is to have their phone numbers and be able to send them a mass text message saying, guess what? Episode one of season two of Verified is on your app right now. Here's the link because people will respond to that way more than they will in email. So I think that that's what it was about. I think it's a marketing ploy. Well, that's what I assumed, and that's why I didn't do it. (laughs) Smart man. Now I'm just going to get spammed with I thought it was kind of genius because I've never heard it before in a podcast, you know? I I tell you right away, I was like, this is not actually going to benefit me in the long (laughs) run. Even if I do get to see this awesome photo of of Leo on the streets of Venice, uh, I feel like I'm going to pay the price later. Yeah. It kind of left a funny taste yeah. uh, in, in a podcast I otherwise liked. Yeah, that it was discordant. I mean, I think we're used to going to websites. We're used to signing up for newsletters voluntarily. Right. But the idea that you have to provide your phone number to get it was I agree with you. It was a little bit weird. But at the same time, I kind of admired the gumption of it. <laughs> but the thing is with text is like like emails. I get all kinds of emails that are like maybe semi-useful and that I can open or not, you know, maybe I want a coupon from this place, like one out of every 30 emails they send me, but it's still worth getting those emails. With a text, like it's either 
something personal that I want or it's spam. I don't know. Whatever. Good on you, Stitcher. Listen, we can't. We should be full disclosure. We have a business relationship with Stitcher. So whatever they're trying to do to increase their audience base, like maybe it'll benefit us guys. So maybe you should calm down. Everybody be texting. <laughs> it was genius. I love it when they do that stuff. <laughs> All right. Let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know. Should they check out Verify, the podcast from Stitcher? Laura Burke, I'm going to start with you. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Um, I'm going with thumbs up. You know, this was a really interesting story. I think it's also a very good cautionary tale. And I liked the voices that we had hearing directly from people that were victims of the um, couch surfing rapist. Is that what we're calling him? Yes. Um, yeah. And and I just thought it was it was really interesting, this whole world. I mean, I know a lot of people who have used um, like VRBO or some of those uh, Airbnb, but I've never heard of this site um, where people are couch surfing. So I thought that, that was an interesting window and it's well told. It's It's got good insight from people and um, just really interesting. Curious to see where it goes. Toy Ball, what about you? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Verified from Stitcher? I give it a thumbs up. I think I'll probably listen to the rest of it. Uh, and again, like I said before, I thought the first episode was great. Um, it, it dropped off a little bit from there, but I, they're still, you know, they're interesting. They're well done. Um, I think the contrast with the first one we reviewed is is really, really stark. So uh, I would recommend. Kevin Flynn. Yeah, I'm a thumbs up. I mean, I think it's kind of a stripped down story in many ways. It really could have been dull were it not for the narrative strengths of the subjects being able to tell their story in a way that keeps the listener going and stitches it all together in a, in a in a cohesive narrative fashion. They are their best advocates. They are also their best storytellers. So I like it. It does stumble in some spots later on, but certainly not enough to change my view. It's a thumbs up. All right, well, you've listened to 10. I've listened to five. I really liked four of the five episodes I heard. Episode four could have used a stronger editing hand. Uh, I'm going to give a thumbs up to Verified. I really like Natasha Del Toro as a reporter host. I'd love to hear her host and anchor more podcasts, maybe more seasons of this one. And, you know, this is an international story. And the setting is really, really strong. The use of voices with accents, something we don't hear in a lot of true crime podcasts. And so for me, yeah, thumbs up. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime Crime of the week. week. A New Mexico woman is under arrest after taking a car on a joyride. When police stopped her, she said she did it because she was Beyonce. (laughs) Parentheses, she was not Beyonce. (laughs) Cops say that wasn't a good enough excuse and charged her with stealing the car and concealing her identity because, shall I remind you, she said she was Beyonce. Some of the blame goes to the car's owner who left his keys in the ignition. There are plenty of low-cost internet security systems available. So if he liked it, then he should have put a ring on it. (laughs) Who wrote this? Kevin. Kevin. Jay-Z. It appears that being Beyonce would give you the right to steal cars. What other legal privileges does being Queen B provide? Laura Bricker, what do you think Beyonce could get away with if it were really Beyonce trying to get away with it? Um, I think she'd get diplomatic immunity for any crimes involving baseball bats and things being broken. Toby, what do you think? Uh, Being fabulous without a license. Yes. Kevin Flynn, what about you? Obvious. Who runs this mother? (laughs) Who run the world? Girls. Girls. (laughs) All right. We should probably end on that note before we do Laura Bricker. Do we have a cat of the week this week? Yes. Hold on just a minute. I'm going to pull up my cat of the week, which is actually a dog. So this is not a listener submitted thing this week. This is something that I kept seeing over and over and it was making me laugh so hard during my um, stressful week that I've had. Huge lion spotted in Spanish town turns out to be large dog (laughs) with strange haircut. And it legit looks like so people were calling in reporting and they were on high alert because they thought there was a lion, but it was a dog. And it was very funny. There's a very funny video. And the reason that I also kind of love this is when I was probably like, I don't know, 10 or 11 years old. We had this cat, like a long haired cat. And I decided to give it a haircut one time. And it kind of looked like this poor lion dog. So I felt some empathy and I felt a little solidarity with its owner. So that's why I, chose I would it. encourage anybody who hears this Cat of the Week story to look it up. 
You will not regret it. Kevin, could you perhaps put a link on our show notes on our website to that dog that could easily be mistaken for a lion? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. All right. Well, Laura Bricker, if folks want to reach out to you and submit their dogs to be cat of the week next week, how can they find you on Twitter? At Laura Bricker. And Tony Ball, folks want to reach out to you and share their condolences with you that there will not be any NBA to watch nor any NCAA tournament to watch. During this coronavirus scare, how can they find you on Twitter? At TobyBallNH. And Kevin Flynn, if folks want to reach out to you and help you make a better podcast than the one we reviewed in the first half of the show this week, how can they find you on Twitter? Oh, please do that at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at RebLavoy. You can also follow the show on Twitter at CrimeWritersOn. And I encourage you strenuously to join our amazing community and our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. We also have a regular old Facebook page, by the way. Support the show on patreon.com slash partners in crime media, and you will get the four extra podcasts we make there, including today's Crime Writers On after show. Our theme song was performed by the New York Ska Jazz Ensemble and used with permission. Our line editor is the very handsome, under quarantine, Henry Lavoie. Our social media and newsletter maven is fellow Taco Bell stan Meredith Plunkett. This show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement, where we are thinking of renaming it Partners in Crime Writers Room so we too can talk irresponsibly about cases for a very terrible podcast. Isn't that what we do? True. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. Holy shit. What? My TV just spontaneously turned on. It's uh, Poltergeist in, in Toby's house. The world's coming so to a freaking end. So now I just got another news alert. Now Universal Studios is done. No, we know. Can we just talk about the fact the poltergeist is happening in Toby's house right now? That would what a great outtake this is going to be. We, that would happen sometimes with the TV when it got really humid. Yes. It would just sort of, t- yeah, it would kind of like turn itself out. It was weird, yeah. <laughs> so many paper rustling noises. Here. It's like a goddamn marketing meeting in here uh. right now. <laughs> Take a lot of, a lot of water. Keep going, guys. Already, oh, it's like an origami club in here. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> News giant HLN. News giant. <laughs> Are they true crime? HLN. No, it's CNN. It's CNN headline news. Oh, I thought it's HLN new- was like their crime thing. No, I thought well, it was like Core they- TV. Okay. Well, I just stopped the timer. Okay, <laughs> start again. Here we go. Okay, what the hell? Shut up, Toby. <laughs> News. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. Partners in crime media.